Hello and welcome to the Book of John, the podcast series. I'm Brianna Segrist, and we're traveling together through the Gospel of John so that we can see for ourselves who Jesus really is, so that we can recognize him in our own lives. Today we're continuing on in John chapter 19. I'm picking up in verse 12. We're in the middle of the story. In literature, we call it in media ray. We're picking up right in the middle of the action. Jesus has been arrested, and he is at Pilate's. And Pilate has already questioned him, sent him off, brought him back, gone out. Pilate's deliberating and trying to figure out what's going on. So let's pick up in the ESV, John 19, verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. Before we go on and read about the actual crucifixion, let's talk about Pilate. Who is this man? Who is this man who enters into this story at the last hour and yet plays such a big part? All through chapter 18, Jesus is interacting with this man, Pilate. We know that Pilate is not a Jewish person. We know that he does not appear to be a believer in Christ. We know that at one point his wife comes out. Let's read that. In Matthew 27, verse 19, Pilate is deliberating, and it says that while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. So we know that she must have had some kind of spiritual um, sensitivity at any rate, whether it was of the Lord or not. Pilate himself is an interesting, if kind of confusing, character in this story. On the one hand, he seems to do no wrong. He doesn't actually condemn Jesus. He doesn't seem to want to condemn Jesus. He seems as if he's at least partially on the side of justice, bringing Jesus in and questioning him and telling Jesus to make his case. So who is Pilate himself, and why is he in this story so strongly? You know, I think that I think that one reason I read the Bible is to kind of compare my own thoughts and hearts with the people. You know, as we're reading through this Bible, we're looking at who Jesus is, but we can often tell who we are by how the how we how we are and are not like other people who relate to Jesus. 
you know, as Jesus comes to the woman in the well, as Jesus comes to the blind man by the side of the road, as Jesus comes to his disciples, we see them react to him and question him and ultimately reject him or um, follow him. And we see pictures of ourselves. We understand ourselves more clearly by comparing ourselves to these different people who interact with Jesus. And here we have Pilate. You know, no other person in the book of John, except for maybe John the Baptist, figures so prominently in the story. Other characters come in and are mentioned, and there's 12 disciples that are following Jesus. But Pilate, Pilate has his own personality in this story. He has his own long involved interaction with Jesus. Pilate is thrust into this story against his will. Maybe like you or me. We are confronted with this Jesus of Nazareth and we have to make a decision the same way Pilate does. Pilate seems to be blissfully unaware of Jesus until he is brought before him early in the morning at sunrise and Pilate brings him in starts questioning him says who are you what's going on I wonder if this is how we are with Christ we are confronted with Jesus with this narrative that Jesus is the son of God that he was a sinless man that he came born of a virgin and the son of God filled with the spirit performing miracles and we have to make a decision and just like Pilate it can be tempting to be the type of person that says I don't know you tell me to push it back on someone else to push it back on the authorities over us or push it back on some other person, maybe your husband or your father or your school teacher or somebody who, somebody else make the decision and just tell me what to believe. But it falls back in your lap again and again. What do you believe about this Jesus? And then it must be kind of agonizing to, to Pilate that he's, you know, he's talking to Jesus and Jesus does not really <laughs> doesn't seem to him to answer his questions fully. Let's go back and read um let's go back and read in ver in chapter 28. I mean in chapter 18. I know that we've already read this, but let's read it again and just look at Pilate and how he's interacting. I'm going to read it out of the Passion translation. I really love this translation. Um I'm going to pick up in verse Let's see. Verse 28. Chapter John chapter 18 verse 28. We're going to read through everything it says about Pi um from here until through into verse chapter 19. Here we go. Before dawn they took Jesus from his trial before Caiaphas the high priest to the Roman governor's palace. Now the Jews refused to go into the Roman governor's residence to avoid ceremonial defilement before eating the Passover meal. So Pilate came outside where they waited and asked them pointedly, Tell me, 
What exactly is the accusation you bring against this man? What has he done? They answered, We wouldn't be coming here to hand over this criminal to you if he wasn't guilty of some wrongdoing. Pilate said, Very well, then you take him yourselves. Go pass judgment on him according to your Jewish laws. But the Jewish leaders complained and said, We don't have any legal authority to put anyone to death. You should have him crucified. This was to fulfill the words of Jesus when he predicted the manner of death that he would die. Upon hearing this, Pilate went back inside his palace and summoned Jesus. Looking him over, Pilate asked him, Are you really the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you asking because you really want to know? Or are you only asking this because others have said this about me? Pilate responded, Only a Jew would care about this. Do I look like a Jew? It's your own people and your religious leaders that have handed you over to me. So tell me, Jesus, what have you done wrong? Jesus looked at Pilate and said, The royal power of my kingdom realm doesn't come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Then Pilate responded, Oh, so then you are a king. You're right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, What is truth? As silence filled the room, Pilate went back out to where the Jewish leaders were waiting and said to them, He's not guilty. I couldn't even find one fault with him. Now you do know that we have a custom that I release one prisoner every year at Passover. Shall I release your king, the king of the Jews? They shouted over and over, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber and a troublemaker. Then Pilate ordered Jesus to be brutally beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal. And the soldiers also wove thorn branches into a crown and set it on his head and placed a purple robe over his shoulders. Then one by one they came in front of him to mock him by saying, Hail to the king of the Jews! And one after another they repeatedly punched him in the face. Once more Pilate went out and said to the Jewish officials, I will bring him out once more so that you know I found nothing wrong with him. So when Jesus emerged, bleeding, wearing the purple robe and the crown of thorns on his head, Pilate said to them, Look at him, here is your man. No sooner did the high priests and the temple guards see Jesus that they all shouted in a frenzy, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate replied, You take him then, nail him to the cross yourselves. I told you he's not guilty. I find no reason to condemn him. The Jewish leaders shouted back, But we have the law, and according to our law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. Then Pilate was greatly alarmed when he heard that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. So he took Jesus back inside and said to him, Where have you come from? But once again silence filled the room. Perplexed, Pilate said, Are you going to play death? Don't you know I have the power to grant you your freedom or nail you to, to a tree? 
Jesus answered, You would have no power over me at all, unless it was given to you from above. This is why the one who has betrayed me is guilty of an even greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to set him free, but the Jewish authorities shouted him down, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is an enemy of the emperor. So when Pilate heard this threat, he relented and had Jesus, who was torn and bleeding, brought outside. Then he went up to the elevated stone platform and took his seat on the judgment bench, which in Aramaic is called Gabatha, or the bench, and it was now almost noon, and it was the same day they were preparing to slay the Passover lambs. Then Pilate said to the Jewish officials, Look, here is your king. But they screamed out, Take him away, take him away and crucify him. Pilate replied, Shall I nail your king to a cross? The high priest answered, We have no other king but Caesar. And then Pilate handed Jesus over to them. Pilate What happened in Jesus' interaction with Pilate? Pilate woke up that day not knowing that today was the day when he would make his choice. He would be confronted that day with Jesus of Nazareth. You never know. You never know and no one ever knows when the day is that we will make our choice. When we will see Jesus for who he is and we will decide for or against him. And the thing is that Pilate does not want to make the choice, does he? Over and over and over again, he doesn't want to choose. And why not? Well, if he chooses that this man is obviously, um, needs to be put to death, we can catch kind of a glimpse of his sensibility. When Remember in the part where he says he hears that Jesus is claimed to be the Son of God, and it says he is terribly alarmed. Well, I'm sure being a Roman, he has some sense of um, the, the reality that there is a spiritual world, that there are gods who have power. And being a Roman, he probably is a polytheist, meaning he might not realize that there is one God and he has sent his one son, but he has um, an, um, an experiential knowledge, sort of, that there are different gods that have different powers and can be um, dangerous to deal with. So when Jesus comes in and he hears this claim that Jesus is the son of God, it makes him afraid. He's a little afraid. What if this is the Son of God? What if I condemn this man to death and it turns out that I am trying to kill a son of a God? What kind of wrath am I going to bring on myself? So there's his hesitation for why he doesn't want to put to death this person. Because obviously he has, he's a governor and he can do anything. And, and here's, let's look at the other hand. Why would he? Why would it be beneficial to put this man to death? Well, first of all, he's the governor of Judea, and he wants to keep his people happy. You know, he wants to keep the Jewish people pleased um, so that they don't rebel against him. And second of all, he wants to keep Roman authority. 
you know, so it would be good for him to kill Jesus because if Jesus claimed to be a king and Caesar is the only king, it would be good for him to put Jesus to death so that he is basically quenching any, any other rulers that are trying to rise up and rebel against Caesar. So it would be very good for him if he would put Jesus to death. Both the people over him and the people under him would be happy. But it would be bad for him to put Jesus to death if Jesus really is the son of a God or of the God, right? So why does Pilate not, he must have some, he must have some belief, deep belief that the gods are real and that this may be the son of a God or else he would just succumb to everything they say. And yet he does eventually let's look at let's look at the closing argument what is the final thing that causes Pilate to give Jesus over to death let's find out it's in John chapter 19 and it's one of the last things that happens with Pilate in this interaction he comes out to Jesus and says do you know that I have the power to grant you your freedom or nail you to a tree and Jesus answered you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. This is why the one who has betrayed me is guilty of an even greater sin. So at this point, Jesus is reminding him, all earthly authority comes from heaven. And Pilate actually seems to accept that. Whether or not he believes that it is the one true God seated on the throne, or, you know, Mount Olympus and all the, I'm sorry, that's the Greek gods, but the Roman gods then, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fully, um, you know, educated on the, on the Greek and Roman gods. But in verse 12, it says, From then on, Pilate tried to find a way out of the situation and to set him free. So Pilate obviously does have some belief in the spiritual realm. He's, he's that convinced him. All right, I'm going to try and set you free. But what happens? The Jewish authorities shout him down. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is an enemy of Caesar. He's going right back to that same old, the same old situation. Do we really believe that God, that heaven is bigger and more powerful and more important than the things of man. Is our fear of man bigger than our fear of God? Is our love of the honor of man bigger than our love of pleasing God? Is our belief in the strength and the power and authority of man bigger than our belief in the strength and power and authority of God? This is the same dilemma that Pilate is having that actually happens throughout the book of John. Jesus comes in conflict with people and every time they meet him, they have to make this decision. Do I really believe that the things of earth are only reflective of the things of heaven? Do I really believe that the things above are more important and have more lasting impact than the things on earth? 
It's hard to believe it, isn't it? It's hard for Pilate. I mean, picture this situation, won't you? It's about noon. And since sunrise, Pilate has been dealing with this problem. He has this big palace. He has a stone judgment seat he sits on. And he has a crowd of people crowded around him. It's his job. It's his home. It's probably his life because I suspect that if a rebellion forms underneath him, Caesar is not going to just fire him, but he's going to be punished with loss of position, loss of um, his money, loss of probably lots of things. Everything in his life hinges on this. If he allows this upstart to proclaim himself king and doesn't quench this rebellion, he's putting his whole life and everything in his life in danger. This is the same thing that happens with us. When we see Jesus, when we hear this story, Jesus is the son of God. We have to make a decision and when we fully when we fully acknowledge the truth, when we fully say, yes, I believe this, we are putting everything in our lives in danger. We are completely breaking away and tearing away from all of the secure bonds that we have with all of the kingdoms of the world. We are setting ourselves up to walk into the unknown to go out on a limb, to leave the security of and safety of all of the, basically all of the communities that we rely on for our everything, for our safety, our security, our financial stability, our home, our our romance, romantic, you know, uh, affiliations, our basically every connection that you have in life. Everything that gives you security and happiness, everything you base your life on, when you turn to Jesus and say, I believe you are the son of God, you are putting all of those things in jeopardy. But this is what we're supposed to do. This is, this is really what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus Christ calls us to leave our lives that are built on sand and come and stand on the rock. And the thing is, we we don't want to leave our lives built on sand because a lot of times we have, you know, a beautiful, safe, comfortable home. And moving our whole everything, our allegiance to the rock of Jesus Christ means we are we're giving up the things that gave us safety and comfort for something that we're unsure of something that we haven't tested yet and Pilate Pilate confronts this question he is the main player in this you know final the big the climax of this story all through the book of John 
all through the book of John, John the writer is going through and showing us who Jesus is. He's showing us that he came with power. He's showing us that Jesus is telling us who he is. He's showing us the conflict that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the things that Jesus says about himself that offend the Pharisees. He's showing all the different crowds and the people discussing who is this Jesus. And then he brings us to this final player, Pilate. Pilate the Gentile. Pilate, the autonomous figure who has the authority to make all the decisions for himself. Is this the son of God or not? And I feel like this is us. This is me and this is you when we read this book. We have to make the decision. We have to look at this book of John and see everything that the book of John says about Jesus and make our own decision just like Pilate did. We can't push the decision off on somebody else. We can't ask somebody else to make the choice. We can't say, well, my family always believed this. I guess I'll believe it too. We have to come face to face with this man, Yeshua HaMashiach. We have to listen to him and ask the questions. What is truth? Why are you here? Where have you come from? And Jesus, in his kindness, allows us to make the decision for ourselves. He stands in front of us, looking, looking humbled and meek. He doesn't stand in front of us in glory he doesn't stand in front of us offering us the promise of heaven. He stands in front of us looking like a very foolish choice. How foolish would it have been for Pilate to say, I believe this is the Son of God. It would have been foolish for him. He doesn't choose the foolish thing. Pilate chooses to go with what he knows. He knows his life. He knows the politics. He understands the workings of the Roman system. He has this interaction, this day with Jesus. And he moves on and out of the story. This is our choice. We come face to face with Christ. And we have to make our choice. Who is Christ? Was he just a good man who came and was misunderstood and mistreated and martyred? Was he a fool who taught lies? Is he a mythical conglomeration of a lot of stories made up by liars trying to create an organized religion to rule the world? Is he a good man, a prophet who came with some power from God, but he's been gone a very long time and he has no power now? 
Who is this Jesus? We've been reading through the book of John, wanting to know who Jesus is. And now here he stands before us. Beaten, bloody, with a crown of thorns and a purple robe. And someone says to you, Behold your king. What do you reply? When I was a teenager, um, a play came to my uh, to my city called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. You might have heard of it. It's kind of past its prime now, but um, in the 90s it was still going along pretty strong. And if you don't know what it is, it's kind of an it's a evangelistic production where basically um, they put on a production that has several different short skits and each one is the story of people right before their death and kind of how they meet their death and then the scene switches and the characters are immediately at the gate of heaven where they find out if their name has been written down in the book and um, one part of the play I don't really exactly remember how <laughs> honestly I don't remember how the play went but I remember that at one part of the play they show Jesus and they have the crowd all running around and screaming crucify him crucify him and I, being a teenage girl and loving drama and theater and stuff, I was cast in the play. And the one part, I was in several parts, but one of the parts was being in the crowd and screaming out, "Crucify him!" And when we played the um, when we played the play, the it was kind of dark. It was evening, and the light is on Jesus. And he's being dragged away by the Roman guards and hit. And of course, it's all completely pretend. But I'm in the crowd with a whole bunch of other young people, maybe 15 years old. And we ha we're supposed to put our hands and fists up in the air and, you know, scream, crucify him. I remember that I could not say the words. I couldn't say it. I remember everybody shouting and screaming and the music was going and I just couldn't say the words. I think, you know, we were putting on a play for people who didn't didn't know the story, didn't hear the gospel, and we were supposed to be the Christians who understood the story and were telling other people about it. But for me, it was... It was really for me the first time I came face to face with the knowledge, with the really understanding that Jesus suffered and died. And I knew in my heart that it was, it had been real. That it wasn't just an actor. And I had been in lots of plays. You know, lots of 
different parts. I'd played, you know, good characters and evil characters and different things and had no problem. But for some reason that it choked, it choked up inside of me. And I remember, I remember looking around at the people in the crowd with me who were screaming and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And I felt almost as if I was actually there, that I was actually in that crowd, actually powerless, actually really fully part of the crowd that condemned him. It's funny because so many of the characters in this story, so many of the different parts of the story are our part. We are Pilot making the decision, but we are also the rebellious masses that praise Jesus and sing Hosanna and then turn around and reject him and cry out for his death. We are part of this story in so many ways. In each of the ways that Jesus interacts with the people in this story, Jesus also interacts with us. We see ourselves in the good and the bad. We see ourselves accepting him and being excited and hearing about the living water. Come, meet the man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And we see ourselves also in Peter running away, saying, I told you I never knew him. We see ourselves behaving in all these different ways. But Jesus is the same Jesus to us. Jesus walks through the story from beginning to end, never altering, always loving us, always walking steadily forward towards his death for us. Jesus, always waiting for us, always patient with us, always tenderly looking down and saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We see who Jesus is. However we react to him, he is still the same. However we mock him and treat him, however we dress him, whatever we call him, he is still Jesus, the Son of God. Who are you today when it comes to Jesus? Jesus stands before you, this humble king. How? How do you react to him? What do you call him? This is the great question of the book of John. 
Here the story is laid out. This is the Christ. This is who he was. This is what he did. This is who he is now. And just as Pilate stands there on the seat, sits on the judgment seat and makes the decision, so do you sit now today on that seat and make the decision. Who is Christ? Who is this man? Everything in your life hinges on the answer. You have to <laughs> you have to be ready to give up everything depending on what your answer is. And Jesus stands waiting. He is all mercy. He is all tenderness. He is the lover of your soul. He is the author of your heart. He is the binder of your wounds. He is the great I am. He is the lion of Judah. He is the one who is coming very soon. <laughs> 